Good day, dear listeners. Steve Preda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And my guest today, my youngest ever guest today is Sean Boyle, the co-founder and managing partner of Momentum 360, a digital company in Philadelphia specialized in promoting businesses with custom virtual tours and photography. Sean, welcome to the show. Steve, my friend, thank you so much and happy new year. Happy new year. You just dated the podcast, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Sean, you're the youngest guest on this podcast, even though we had nearly 150 episodes recorded. How did you make it to be the leader of a company at that young age? What's been your journey? Well, I'll tell you, Steve, first and foremost, it's an honor just looking to provide as much value as possible. So I'll tell you my story really in a nutshell. So it was out of scarcity and just to provide for my family. So my dad, he actually went to prison when I graduated high school. So when I was going to Penn State, I got a call and essentially my dad's a big partier. We're a big party family. So it was about the time I would say I was going to go to college and he was going to surprise me, or at least I thought of this big extravagant vacation, blah, blah, blah with the family. And it was the complete opposite. It was a very ominous call. And he said, listen, son, I'm getting indicted by the federal government. I'm going to jail. Verbatim, just like that, just cut and dry, black and white. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) I need some time to process this first and foremost. The first thing that really set in was how am I going to provide for my family? So as the months went on and I went to Penn State and I got into my major, I was like, well, what's the major that's going to make me the most money? Petroleum engineering, right? It's like 80, what is it? 185K starting salary right now. So I started doing that. And Steve, I got to be honest with you, no offense to any engineers out there, but I just didn't like it. (laughs) It was very much like technical and I'm not even that good at math and science. So I was like, oh, this is such a waste of my time. And I really got into entrepreneurship from a lot of my buddies who followed Grant Cardone and Alex Ramosi of that sort. And I really got into business with my one friend, Mac, who went to Penn State and he ran a marketing agency. And I kind of prevised in this 360 side, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But it's been what, three years now that him and I have been in business full time. And it's been fantastic. So it's been a pretty crazy journey, to say the least. Well, it sounds like a crazy journey. So, So when you did the engineering job, did you go and work on an oil rig or something? In all honesty, I didn't get past the first semester of schooling, actually. It was like my freshman year. And I think I had like a, what was it? Like an A minus average. So like my grades were pretty decent, but I just didn't like the curriculum. And I just couldn't see myself doing this other than the fact that I needed to provide for my family and make a whole bunch of money. Well, that's always a slippery slope if you go just for the money and you don't have the motivation and you don't have the desire to to excel in a field, it's going to be really hard to be successful. So I think it was a good idea for you to switch. So how did you get into this whole idea of virtual tour? How did that come about? So it was around the time I was graduating Penn State and I was talking with Mac. We were working in the office in Philadelphia, which I am now. And I saw this Xbox looking thing on our desk and I was talking to Mac. I was like, what is this? He's like, oh, that's some like 360 camera. We've done a couple of shoots with it. I'm like, well, why aren't we making this a whole other side of the business? Because it's so profitable. There's so much potential and upside for it. No one's really doing this right now. And it's funny because that was back in 2020 before the pandemic. So we really started skyrocketing as virtual tours became so in demand with restaurants, real estate, all these brick and mortar businesses, because what? People couldn't go into them by themselves physically. So it really catapulted our success and the tide of momentum 
was just so accelerated due to the pandemic. Fortunately, I can't say the same for a lot of other people because it was the exact opposite. But that's really back in 2020 when we started the 360 side. And then we started to gain multiple contractors in different areas. We have about a thousand contractors, Steve, in the US that we work with on a given annual basis. And then we have about 50 Google My Businesses that have separate WeWorks and offices across the country where, let's just say, if you're in and if you Google a virtual tour service, Albuquerque, we have someone in New Mexico for you who can do what the job. And his name is actually Steve himself. So he's a, one of my favorite photographers because Albuquerque is beautiful. But uh, that's kind of how we got into the tides of the Momentum 360. That's cool. That's interesting. So how did you start the business? What was your mindset? And how did that, was it just an organic thing that you got a couple of gigs and, and you just kept growing? Or did you have some kind of a concept in mind on how you're going to build that business as an organization, not just a personal service. Yeah. So I really said to myself, what do I love to do? And I've always been involved in photography to some capacity and just making content and also with marketing as well. But I felt like it was very saturated. There's so many digital marketing companies popping up in today's society. So it's like, how can we make something that's sexy that people also need that's with marketing? So to me, it was a no-brainer. It was very organically driven. And once we started getting more gigs, I said to myself, well, we're getting all these key phrases and key rankings with like, if we're in Philadelphia, where the company started, we started ranking for like virtual tour services, Columbus, Ohio, Baltimore, Maryland, Boston, Massachusetts, New York. So all these places in the tri-state area. And I was like, well, why don't we find people to help sell in these areas and also people to do the fulfillment. So it became kind of like a somewhat of a franchising business model, which we'll talk on in a second, because we are franchising the business to where uh, bringing on all these awesome people to sell these tours, but also to shoot them and do the fulfillment. So that's kind of what triggered the method and the system of like, okay, this is what people need. It's very scalable and it's sellable too, because who's going to buy a digital marketing company right now? They're a dime a dozen, but who's going to buy a virtual tour company that's nationwide that also does photography and drones mm. and videos and all this cool stuff? It's a very nuanced type of business. Yeah, it, it's uh, fascinating. So it sounds like you can tap into some network effects if you can be at both sides of the of the deal. You can get the sales side, people are promoting the service, and then you get the fulfillment side. And it sounds like it's a platform. Do you have a digital platform that allows you to transact these linkages, these connections? Or how do you make the connections? Yeah. So the main proprietary softwares that we use, Steve, uh, the top three ones that we use on a daily basis are Matterport, which is on the stock exchange, billion dollar company, CloudPano, and 3D Vista. Those three softwares, if anybody's looking to get into the virtual tour business, I would recommend using. They're the three best softwares in terms of lowest expense highest profitability, but also just ease of using. And you don't need that much equipment. You don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars. It's a very easy model to get into. It's funny, you could actually use an iPhone if you wanted to start doing virtual tours. So it's very easy to get into the business. Love it. Well, that's really cool. So tell me about your favorite framework. So the theme of this podcast is Management Blueprint that I'm always looking for frameworks, unique ideas that the entrepreneurial guests discovered along the way. So what is uh, what has been your framework that inspired you the most in your business? The framework that I can teach a lot of people is from one of my mentors, JC Height, who runs Height Digital. It's a digital marketing franchise company. They have like 24 
25 locations. Each of them does like a million dollars. He and Height, I think, are on like number 300 or 400 on the Inc. 5000. So they're absolutely crushing it. I met him in Costa Rica last August, and he was talking about a framework, Steve, called FOBS, F-O-B-S. So it's fulfillment carrying out the promises that we make to our customers, operations, carrying out the day-to-day tasks to ensure the business is running smoothly. Obviously, business intelligence, not just researching what your competition's doing and how to kind of implement everything from a content perspective, website, service base, and make it your own, but to also see from your team internally, how can you motivate them? Because I think emotional intelligence today is lacking and people need to understand how to talk to people and motivate them and ignite that fire to want to work for this company and want to work for not just this company, but for themselves to be a leader and not just a follower. And the final one's just sales and marketing is to find new ways of acquisition and referrals, word of mouth, ads, SEO, social media, email, et cetera. I was watching one of your episodes, Steve, with Michael Marchese. And when he was talking with, when he was over at Omnicon, he was like, oh my gosh, Like the fact that I was here at one of the largest companies in the world in this niche, and I see content marketing as the future, that's all I needed to hear, honestly. And I agree with Mike, and I think that it's such a smart move to get into content marketing because it really is the future. But in terms of the framework, FOBS has been something that our team really lives by and something that we continue to strive for day in and day out, especially the business intelligence with the emotional intelligence piece to it. Okay, so let's dissect this a little bit. So what is it about fulfillment? How do you go about it? What is your process? What is your vision of it? If you can explain this a little bit. For sure. So I would say about 80 to 90% of our services are just with virtual tours. The other 10% is photography, videos, 3D rendering, virtual staging, all the upsells, honestly, that we do for a lot of these other things. The first thing that I do, I'll tell you the whole process is, let's just say I got off the phone with somebody, I send them a quote, What I do is I immediately send them a link to our official community, which I'll do with you after this podcast as well. Mm -hmm. There's about a thousand people in the community. It makes the client feel all warm and fuzzy. Oh, I'm being part of a part of this community of this family. I feel fantastic. I feel like I'm actually trusted. I'm not just like some client who is probably never going to get heard from again. I actually feel worthy. We treat them like a VIP at the end of the day. And quick question, Sean: This client is this an end user? who will actually enjoy the tour, who will buy the tour, is the person who will shoot the tour? This is a client. This is someone who's going to use the tour. Okay. Yeah. And then what we do is after we shoot, we send them another link to our private mastermind group where then I would say about 90% of those people want to opt in simply because of the fact that they already are in the community we give them a very nice virtual tour. They trust us. They gave us a five-star review on Google. So it's like, hey, if you're interested in really learning more about how to grow with us in content marketing, join this little sector where we're really trying to expand their business. And that's where we get into a lot of retainers, reoccurring business. So we're not having to constantly sell just these singular virtual tours every month if there's a reoccurring model built in that. So everything boiled down for fulfillment is not just based on delivering exceptional work, but it's making them feel genuinely like they're appreciated and the communications there. Because everyone says that, but to actually carry that out on a daily basis with text messages, automated emails, with reminders to shoot, the Facebook and the mastermind, all these things take such a priority with us for the fulfillment. And if we weren't doing it, I don't think we'd be at the success we would nearly someone else because it's just, it's so important to us. I love that. So... 
ostensibly this has nothing to do with the virtual tour, the community, but maybe it does because virtual tour is a kind of a marketing tool. And if someone needs a virtual tour, maybe they need other type of marketing tools that can create content, unique content, like a virtual tour. Is this the idea or there's something else that you had? Yeah, just think about it like this. So here's an example. So I'll just say, Steve, you owned a bakery, right? So Steve's Bakery and you're a big time guy in Los Angeles, right? In New York, New York City, one of the upper echelon places in the world, right? At the end of the day, you're getting a virtual tour with us. And you could also say, oh, well, I need some pictures of these croissants or these other pastries that I'm creating. And I need some promo videos to promote it. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if I had somebody to come here once or twice a month to do ongoing promo videos and reels and other videos and shorts on social media and on the website, because that's what we do. So we start out very lightly by just doing the virtual tour, which is kind of the foot in the door. And then we say, hey, Steve, we've done some great work together. You're a part of our community. I would say and suggest that we would do something ongoing to continuously optimize your brand and help you get more followers, more conversions, and more impressions on all of these different mediums. So that's thinking there. I love it. That's great. Community is such a key part of business and business growth and creating viral businesses. It's very intriguing how you created that. So going from the fulfillment to the operations, anything special there on the operation side that you can talk to? So we're a small business. We're growing. We're going to hit... I mean, last year we hit 2.2. Hopefully this year we can double that. But we still are using a lot of VAs to carry out miscellaneous tasks, which I would recommend if someone's on Upwork or Fiverr, Upwork is better for finding VAs, but pay these people 4 or $5 an hour. And then you have a US-based manager or director who essentially carries out the follow-up in-person or face-to-face video meetings where it's very professional. But everything else really is outsourced at such a minimal cost and expense that we're saving a lot of money to reinvest back into the company. So from an operations standpoint, we're on Google for pretty much everything, sending assets to that is with Google Suites and a lot of Google Drive links too. That's pretty much how we deliver all these files. And that is just very easy for the client to post on their website and social. And that's really it. And then we're only going to continue to scale that model where more video editors, more 360 editors, people who can do color correction, they are going to be onboarded with us to Harry, excuse me, to handle more of the operations side of the business. What about the sales and marketing side? So with the marketing, we've invested a lot of time and money into SEO. So if you were to Google right now, like virtual tour service, we rank number one pretty much nationwide. So we're one of the largest tour companies in the world, especially from a US point of view. And I would say a lot of that really has to do with writing optimized blogs, which I can get into 2,000 words per blog, five inbound external links, five geotagged compressed uh, pictures that are less than 100 KB. These are things that people just don't know. On top of that, you also want to be integrating location pages on your website too. That's kind of what we do. So for instance, we have one page, one location page per all 50 locations that thus in the United States. And so, and we have a couple other ones like in Europe that are like in Paris, Barcelona, et cetera, et cetera. But to rank on Google for like all these types of key phrases, that's our main priority. And then I would say the majority, about 80 to 90% of acquisition is from SEO. And then the other 10% is from PPC, email marketing, a lot of other stuff. So that's kind of from the marketing perspective. 
And then the sales perspective is really easy. I mean, a lot of people come to us already, Steve, knowing who we are and trusting us from our social media. So my process is simple. I just say, hey, when can you talk on the phone, have a cool five, 10 minute demo, let's hop on, let's show you an example, let's build some trust, let's get you in that community. And boom, that's the sales process. And then from there, the fulfillment takes over, You know, obviously carrying out the shoot, making sure the assets look good, posting it on their website, and then upselling them to these retainers like I talked about. So it all integrates, as you can see, of part of a very nice cycle. I love it. I mean, the way you make it sound so easy, the way you explain it, that's brilliant. <laughs> so one thing that I'm kind of curious about, you mentioned the uh, location photos. Do you actually have to have a physical address with the photo or to make it authentic to Google or it's not necessary? So this is a great question. So for us, when we started out making these locations in 2020, I was really, I would say, curious about this as well. And there were things where with Google, some locations you could get away with, Steve, just having a digital location saying, hey, we do business in Albuquerque, New Mexico, without having a physical location. Other locations like Chicago, for instance, need to actually have a physical address. So what we did was we essentially said, hey, photographer, if you have an extra space where we can send a postal code to, and it's not going to interfere with your business, please let us use it for that postal code. We'll put it on Google. We'll also make sure that we don't necessarily have people come to this location physically because it would just be some yeah, like office space or whatever. And on top of that, we're also able to build trust with these contractors too. So that's what we were able to do, I would say, for a lot of these 50 Google My Businesses. So I would say a good majority of them, Steve, are digital. But some of them, like Chicago and Boston, for instance, obviously the Philadelphia location, which I'm talking to you now at, are physical locations where we have physical office space at or they're one of our partners who does the contracted shooting and scanning in that given area. And do they have to, I mean, this is a very minute question, but do they have to be in a, an office area, this location? It can be a residential area as well. It can be both. It cannot be a PO box though. That's the one thing that Google can't do. It's a very weird thing, Steve, because Google, as technological as, as they are, they're still sending out these physical postcards. It's like, why not just send like, I guess you need to do it with the postcard way. But I just wish there was a better, faster way because some of these postcards, they take months to get. It's annoying. It's like, if you want to do business in a certain location, well, let's make it days instead of months. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Very interesting. So let's switch gears here a little bit. And there was a topic that you mentioned on our pre-call uh, that you led, uh, read in Alex Hormoz's book. This was a principle of business that you felt you were inspired by. And I think it was something to do with doing something much better than what's available out there and make yeah, it, the, make it even the whole, or, or something like that. So can you yeah. paraphrase that? The whole concept of making your free stuff better than their paid stuff. So what I mean by that is social media, including TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all these platforms, these are free things that you can post, Right. So it's like, why not make such good content that actually is going to help business owners? That's so much better than when people actually charge. Because at that point, let's just use a comparison. You have company B and company A. Company A has content that's free, that provides so much value, that is helping thousands of businesses every single year. And then you have company B that they're essentially charging for this information and it's not as good. Company A not only is going to win out 10 times out of 10, but they're going to build so much trust and so much value in the marketplace that when they do charge you something, it's going to be at an astronomical rate 
but it's at a justified rate because you've pr- proved yourself already and you have value. So at that point, it doesn't matter the price tag of it because you know it's going to be valuable because you've already proved yourself. Wow. If you know they're giving free content that's already helping us build already, I can imagine what this paid thing is going to be. It's going to be incredible. It's going to change our lives, not just our business. So that's the whole philosophy around this. That's why I'm so diligent and I try to provide as much free, actionable content on my socials, on my business and my personal as much as I can. And then when people say, oh, well, what packages do you sell? It's like, well, we sell this. And they're like, well, you're not the most cheap, you're not the very expensive of the product. I say, yeah, we are. I should be able to charge as much as humanly possible based on what the market says. And I firmly believe that because the value's there. And you know that the value's there because you already trust me. You already know me from social media. And I'm able to build a good relationship just based off that. So that's kind of the whole principle there. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I think this idea of helping people and this this mindset of abundance so that you actually, you give it away. I'm just listening to a book about Zoom and how Zoom managed to break through with or the other platforms already out there like WebEx and Skype. And basically what they did it, they made it completely free and they also made it completely frictionless. And it just started to take off, even though it was not a new concept per se. So I love that. So let me ask you a question before we wrap up about virtual tours, because I'm curious about what are the use cases of virtual tours? What do people use these for? And What are kind of the different... I understand that a restaurant would want people to be able to go around. I understand that a real estate agent would want people to be look around and check out the house. But what are some of the more unusual use cases that you've come across? So the biggest thing with virtual tours, it all boils down to conversions. We guarantee more conversions for your niche. So let's just say back to Steve's Bakery. You're a restaurant bakery. We're guaranteeing you more in-person customers from the tour. If you're a school, we guarantee you more students from the virtual tour. If you're a real estate agent and you have a beautiful listing and we shoot it with a virtual tour, we're guaranteeing you not only more foot traffic, but a higher sales price because there's more people, i.e. there's more demand, i.e. you're going to have to put the price up a little bit. So it's just more conversions for your niche. In a lot of cases, it actually results in that client being able to charge more money because there's more demand for what they have. I get it. But just give me some use cases where people use virtual tours for something that was unexpected to you. I would say the thing that's been the most unexpected was, oh gosh, there was a client in Louisiana that we worked with, Steve. And they didn't call us. They just filled out, schedule a project form, and we had somebody out there. They were looking to do a virtual tour of their house to put in a a jacuzzi. I don't know if it's a jacuzzi or I guess it is a jacuzzi inside of their like living room area. They wanted to like make sure the dimensions all were perfect, kind of like a I just could say someone of like a not a public adjuster, but just someone who like an architect of sorts who can take measurements, but they cost thousands of dollars. So they're like, oh, let's do a virtual tour of it. We'll check the dimensions. They come with measurements. So it's kind of like a Tony Montana thing in Scarface, right? Where they were going to put like a whole jacuzzi. in their living room. So that's pretty much, I would say, the most unexpected and fun projects that we've ever done. That's very interesting. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is virtual reality. I saw that some of the virtual tours are available on VR as well. 
So I've never wore one of these uh, Oculus VR headsets or any other v- headsets. So can you describe the experience if someone uses a VR headset for virtual tour? What does it feel like? Or what does it look like? It's unbelievable. So to people who have never been in an Oculus experience or any virtual headset, right? I'm just going to try to paint a picture here as best as I can. Imagine putting on sunglasses, right? And immediately you're essentially in a TV setting or phone setting or whatever on a digital screen where you can pick and choose because you have handheld controllers as well that you're also using of what you want to see. So when you have the headset on and you're going through a virtual tour, you essentially can take these buttons and almost just like you're using both feet, walk throughout a place and also click on different tags if you were physically there. And it's cool because we have the tags and we have everything compressed to what a human being normally would be, which is, I would say, roughly about five to six feet tall. So it's at height of what it normally would be. So when you're walking through, you're quite literally walking through it as if you normally would from height-wise. It's not like cutting anything off or you're too big or too small. It's the Goldilocks size. It's the perfect size. And you're able to go through it as if you were there. So it's something that to people who are using the Oculus for the first time, it's they almost kind of get like, well, what is it? Like motion sick almost because they're just like, oh, like I'm in a virtual like reality. I don't know what it is, but it's very cool. And it's going to change the world and it is changing the world. So it's a very unique experience. Mm-hmm. So does it mean that you can shoot the virtual tour so that people can have this immersion experience of being in that house, for example, and walking around and looking at the different rooms? Is this a different way of shooting or it's converting the video into a VR format that can be simulated with this Oculus headset? Yeah. So let's use an example of like going into a very bougie house, a very luxury house. So the virtual tour is done in view of the headset there's actually an option on all of our virtual tours to click. It has like an Oculus icon. You click the icon and boom, you're immersed. It connects with the headset and you're in it, baby. You're in it. You have two controllers and you're in this now 5,000 square feet, $10 million mansion. It's it's beautiful. And all of our tours are integrated with VR headset capability. Wow. That's very cool. All right. Well, I think we could continue the conversation. I would have more questions about this whole thing and the metaverse and everything, but uh, we're running out of time. So if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, learn more about it, maybe get the virtual tour, they, they want to connect with you, where should they go? How can they find you? It's very easy. All you guys got to do is go to MomentumVirtualTours.com or you can Google just Momentum360. You'll find us. And my offer today for everyone who's listening to see if all your listeners is you contact us, you tell them that you found us from the show, and we will be giving you a free social media reel. So like I said, completely free social media reel on me, and we'll help you guys to scale with your business. So that's how you can contact me. I'm sure I'm going to be hitting a lot, getting a lot of inquiries from this. So that's how you can get in contact with me and redeem that reel offer. That sounds amazing. I might take advantage of it myself. So, so thank you, Sean, for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you. And uh, for those of you listening, definitely check out Momentum360 and check out Sean Boyle. He's got a LinkedIn page as well. 
And stay tuned because we now come to you every twice a week with exciting entrepreneurs who share their unique frameworks with us. Have a great day. 